Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you'll need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate megastores led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. What's up, you guys? Sean Ross at Managing Editor, FightfulWrestling.com, FightfulMMA.com. Lots of stuff going on at FightfulMMA.com tonight. We have uh, the UFC Fight Night Rochester, which we're about to talk about. We have the Deontay Wilder fight, which uh, I'm going to wrap this up well before that goes up, so you guys can catch that as well. But uh, the evening capped off with Rafael Desanyu stopping Kevin Lee. Lots to talk about in that regard. Uh, a few housekeeping notes. No Fightful MMA podcast this Tuesday. I will be doing news updates throughout the week. I have a heavy travel week, and there's no uh, UFC event next weekend. Uh, there's no Bellator event next weekend. There's no big boxing show next weekend. The next UFC event is June 1st. So I'm going to do rankings updates. I'm going to be doing news updates and, and things like that next week. And uh, then we travel to Las Vegas for AEW Double or Nothing. Uh, Joe Holbert who uh, you all have seen tons of his features. He has been promoted to head MMA writer, lead MMA writer at Fightful.com. Uh, I want to thank David Tees for all the hard work that he put in for almost three years at Fightful. That guy has a great work ethic, and that's going to carry over to whatever it is that he he chooses to do next. Uh, think the world of David Tees, and uh, he got rid of his Twitter, but uh, if, if he gets it back, tell him you appreciate him. Tell him that uh, that his work was appreciated because he did an awful lot of it. He covered so much stuff for us, especially over WrestleMania weekend. That man, uh, he is the machine. And nobody, I, I don't think, will ever be able to do the type of stuff that uh, David Tease was able to do here at Fightful. So I want to thank him for, for that time that, that he gave us. And uh, he will always be a part of the Fightful family and we'll have a place here as well. We have UFC Fight Night Rochester. Whew, I didn't do a, an I Got Five on it this week. There were a lot of changes to this show, but uh, we did do our preview. We do uh, preview all of these events the Tuesday before, Tuesday, 2 p.m. Eastern, uh, FightfulMMA.com. But let's go ahead and get into it. Julio Arce uh, dropped Julian Arosa. It was round three, a TKO. Arosa was finding some early success 
with the wild looping punches, but towards the middle of that second round, Arce fixed the uh, problem. Is, is the Wilder fight already over? Did somebody say that? <laughs> I still haven't checked it out, but um, Arce dropped Erosa with a huge head kick and ended up winning. Uh, this was just the right the right type of uh, of win for, for Arce. This was just really, really great. Really great. It's what he needed to do to kind of uh, put himself out there and, and make himself uh, make help establish himself even further. Yeah. I'm hearing that Deontay Wilder. Oh my God. I just watched it. Jesus Christ. This is me reacting in real time to just watching the Deontay Wilder knockout. Jesus friggin' Christ. The way the clip looked looked like it just stepped in immediately. This is a couple minutes in. That was freaking amazing. Whoa. What? <laughs> Here I was, ready to, to strap in and watch it at about midnight. Oh, my God. We got to see him versus Joshua. Oh, boy. What is that? <laughs> Wilder led with this like light left and followed with this right straight and then did like <laughs> a spin move walk off walk off that was unbelievable Rizal done I guess we can talk about UFC again <laughs> yeah it was supposed to says he doesn't work by the hour that's for damn sure oh boy I guess there's always the Charlie Zelan offer you match right Hot dog. Zach Cummings taps Trevin Giles. Um, James Krause had a pretty good night uh, outside of the Megan Anderson fight, but uh, Giles hadn't fought since 2017. Cummings is one of uh, James Krause's projects. And I, this fight, as well as the Grant Dawson fight, has me wondering how long will it be until big stars give, give uh, James Krause a try? He's still a successful fighter. He is still arguably in his prime. And he's making winners out of people, man. That's just that's just how it is. Zach Cummings uh, changed his weight division and is a winner now since moving to middleweight. This is Giles' first loss. There's not a whole lot until round three, until Cummings landed this insane overhead, overhead uh, or overhand left hand. Uh, Giles isn't able to recover, and Cummings ends up winning with a guillotine choke. Uh, he is just, he's doing really good. Ed Herman obliterated Patrick Cummins. I read this fight as Herman and Cummins uh, between these two as a fight where the UFC just wanted a guy to get a win. That's it. UFC wanted this guy, wanted one of these guys to win, and it was Ed Herman. Cummins was controlling this one a little bit of everywhere, but I'm surprised that we didn't see him wrestle more. Herman cracks Cummins with a knee. And Cummins sells it like Dolph Ziggler, man. He's like waving and flipping and flopping. Oh, man. Uh, Herman wants in the video game, and that's it. That's all he wants. And it is kind of weird that after 13 years, he has never been in one. But uh, he was probably done if he didn't win this. And that's easy for me to say. uh, But the UFC lets people hang around for about 
six losses these days, and they like Ed Herman, so who knows? But Cummins has lost three in a row. He's two and five in his last seven. Gone are the days of him just losing the top 15 talent because Herman is nowhere near that. At 38, it was bound to happen sooner or later. And if, if, if Cummins doesn't hang around in the UFC, he'll get offers from the likes of Bellator. Bellator will set him up against some people and whatever. Grant Dawson taps Mike Trezano. Uh, this was... Uh, for Trezano, he had this good stretch where he won the tough tournament, his first fight after, and won a fight in Bellator, but that's over. Dawson's now 2-0, and and he came up off the Contender Series. UFC loves those guys that come from Contender Series. And uh, this is this is the newest one. This is a good fight and a good card. Let's talk about somebody who's got to get performance of the night. Mikel Pereira, who you guys probably know as the guy who did a moonsault and a lion salt in an MMA fight. And he got signed based on that. And I kind of, I posted on Twitter that he had enough to get him a UFC deal. He did like legitimately. He had won those two fights back to back in road FC. And I think he had won six of, or he had won. He only had one loss in like nine or 10 fights. That's enough. And he showed up against Danny Roberts and this was not a gimme. Danny Roberts isn't like some world beater or anything, but Danny Roberts has been in the UFC since 2015 he was five and three, I think. And Mikel Pereira just jumped off the freaking cage over and over again. Got Danny Roberts. Ooh, sorry, hit my mic there. Got Danny Roberts just off balance and, and just out of the way. Cracked him with a huge flying knee and a straight punch. Knocked out Roberts. That was one of the most unusual dominant fights that I've ever seen. And and as Joseph Boza points out, Dana White later on would say, oh my God, this guy that that he's he's 21 and 10 or whatever. I can't believe, I can't sign him. And he was fighting anyway. But it it is wild. But I mean, when you got a fight like Mikel Pereira had tonight, damn, you you best believe that that reinforced that signing decision. And uh, that turned some heads. Hawkeye says, imagine him versus Johnny Walker. Different weight divisions, but Mikel Pereira is one to watch. And uh, I would like to see him fight. Ah, God, who do I want to see him fight? It can't be a top 15 guy, but it's got to be an exciting guy. That's for damn sure. Amazing. Uh, Desmond Green beat uh, Jordan, and this, whatever, uh, he grinded this one out. The story of this was him getting the, the great ovation in his hometown, which was fantastic. I loved the the ovation that he got. Really, really great. And that's really the story of this. Logan Hollingsworth says, just got back from Buffalo Wild Wings. Second time I've tried to watch UFC at a bar recently, and they haven't had it. It's like five bucks. You're spending more at Buffalo Wild Wings than you are for ESPN Plus, my man. Number six, Aspen Ladd defeated Sajara Eubanks. This was actually a rematch, and Sajara Eubanks moving up from 125 to 135. This fight ruled. Sajara lost their first fight against one another, and it's her return to the Bantamweight division, but Aspen Ladd is a tough out, man. 
<laughs> Logan says, I did order ESPN Plus. There you go. Eubanks took down Ladd, but Ladd turns the tides, and Eubanks ended up pouring it on at the end of the first round. Ladd then destroyed Eubanks towards the end of the second, and if she had more time, she may have stopped it. Uh, they just slugged it out in the third round. This is one of my favorite women's bantamweight third round for, like, period. It was phenomenal. And I thought that Sajara Eubanks had a lot more juice on her punches than Aspen Ladd did. But, man, Aspen Ladd has almost like the Paige Van Zant thing where people look at her and they're like, oh, she, she's a cute girl and the UFC's pushing her and she's young and all this stuff. And they assume that she's not as tough as she is for some reason. She's very tough. I mean, she's finished Lee Landsberg. She finished Tanya Evinger. She beat Sajara Eubanks right before that. She has... She's a tough, tough girl, man. Uh, Joseph Boza asked if I agree with the scoring. I had it scored a draw. So I definitely, definitely do not agree with 30-26 Ladd. I thought that Sajar Eubanks showed a lot for her Bantamweight debut. But, but Aspen Ladd's the number six girl in that division, and, and understandably so. And uh, I, I look at Aspen Ladd, and you got to put her in a conversation now. Here's the thing. You, you can't have – do you trust Jermaine Durandamy in the title picture? She's number one. I sure as hell don't because it's been almost two and a half years and Jermaine Durandamy's fought one time since the Holly Holm fight. That, that's the situation. Jermaine Durandamy fights once a year at best. She fought twice in 13, once in 14, once or none in 14, once in 15, once in 16, 17, 18. Hasn't fought this year yet. You can't put her in the title conversation. Kat Zingano. Well, she's busy losing at featherweight right now. She got beat by Caitlin Vieira. Well, let's go look at Caitlin Vieira. Caitlin Vieira is a name you got to look at in that division. She's beaten Sarah McMahon, Ashley Evans-Smith, Kat Zingano. Probably worthy of a title shot. Raquel Pennington, she's ranked above. She just got beat by Durandamy, got beat by uh, Nunez after that. She's got no wins since 2016. I think Aspen Ladd should be ranked above somebody who hasn't won since 2016. I think Aspen Ladd should probably be ranked number four in this division. She should be behind Durandamy, Vieira, and maybe home. Maybe home. Uh, and with home, it's really hard for me to tell. Uh, Boza says that Raquel's booked to fight uh, Aldana at UFC on ESPN4. Whatever. They don't call it ESPN4 anymore. They call it whatever city it, it's from. But um, home is, you know, she's getting the title shot, hasn't fought in a year, hasn't competed at bantamweight since 2017. So do I think that home should be ranked? Number two in the in the bantamweight division, not really. She's got one bantamweight fight since 2016. She's got one bantamweight win since the beginning of 2016. I think Aspen Ladd should be ranked above Holly Holm too. You got to do something in the division, and I don't think that Holly Holm has. Let's look at Holly Holm's bantamweight history. She beat Betch Cohea, not a top 15 fighter. 
She lost to Shevchenko. I lost to Tate. Okay. Beat Rousey. That's how far back we got to go for her second Bantamweight win. Don't sleep on... American Giant makes great clothing, sweatshirts, jeans, and more right here in the U.S. Visit American-Giant.com and get 20% off your first order with code STAPLE20. That's 20% off your first order at American-Giant.com, code STAPLE20. An Aspen lad, I'm telling you guys. I'm not saying that she's going to be a champion or anything, but between amateur and pro, 16-1. and one. Outstanding. Dobby Ramos defeated Austin Hubbard. Unanimous decision. Ramos is just way better than Hubbard, and he should have been able to submit him, but he couldn't. There was a double nut kick during this fight. There was a real weird, weird stand-up as Ramos was working ground and pound. What the hell was up with that, mate? And Ramos had pounded Hubbard from the top pretty hard before that. Ha-ha. <laughs> Hubbard dropped Ramos with a spin kick but couldn't win. That stand-up was just ridiculous and ugly. I didn't like it. What I did like, my boy, Charles Oliveira, I say that, I don't know him. He's good. Charles Oliveira is good. Very, very good as a UFC lightweight. I mean, hell, man. What what more can you say about, about what Charles Oliveira has done since moving to lightweight? Look at how he was at featherweight. He missed weight against Swanson, lost. Lost to Edgar, fight of the night. Performance of the night against Ogle, performance of the night, Hayoki, Hayoki. he uh, missed weight, but he beat Stevens. He got performance of the night and fight of the night when he beat Nick Lentz at featherweight. He had that weird situation with Max Holloway, and then that's where it all went downhill. He was missing weight all the time. He went through a stretch of four fights where he either missed weight or lost a fight. Since he moved to lightweight, he is 5-1, and one, or 6-1, uh, and one, rather. He's beaten Will Brooks, Jim Miller, Clay Guidas, some tough outs, man. Five performance of the night bonuses. I don't know if he's got one tonight or not. But um, he's got the UFC record for most submission wins. You are watching a guy, dare I say, quietly put together a UFC Hall of Fame career. Now, why do I say that? Why do I say that about a guy who's 27 and 8? Why do I say that about a guy who, under two years ago, just a year and a half ago, was quite frankly looking at possibly being bounced from the UFC if he kept losing? Well, look at it, man. The UFC record for most submission wins. How many performance of the night bonuses? Four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, ten, eleven, twelve 10, 11, 12 performance of the night bonuses. How about this? He's got like 22, 24 fights, two decisions along the way. You know what I want to see? You know what fight I really want to see? I want to see Charles Oliveira and Donald Cerrone, and I want to see it so bad. It's not a fight that, that's a sexy fight that's going to bring a lot of people in to watch, but man. 
Lentz got taken down. Anaconda choke was almost applied. But then Oliveira almost guillotined Lentz. Ended up up kicking him, but the ref stopped the action. Oliveira caught a Lentz kick, dropped him with a straight, ground and pound, and that's a wrap. 24 UFC fights, two decisions. That is special, man. Here are the people that he's lost to. Uh, Paul Felder, fantastic fighter. Ricardo Lamas, same. Anthony Pettis, Max Holloway, Frankie Edgar. Cub Swanson when that meant something. Jim Miller and Donald Cerrone. I got to see that Cerrone fight again. Got to see it again. It is such a different fight than eight years ago. I think we can get it. Hats off to for, uh, somebody says Cerrone would KO him. Do Oliveira versus Ryan Hall. Hey, we don't uh, do fights on paper. Uh, that's that's why you that's why you fight the fights, saying, "Oh, he KO." <laughs> well, maybe, and let him KO him. Well, would that ever stop anybody from putting a fight together? Okay, cool. So Donald Cerrone would KO him. Book the fucking fight. People get KO'd in fights all the time. I'm pretty sure a lot of people didn't expect Donald Cerrone to get TKO'd by Masvidal. It happened. Fight the fights. Vicente Luque, number 15, takes the wind out of Derek Krantz. Now, they they hyped up Derek Krantz by showing showing Dana White not wanting to sign him on looking for a fight. He's like, okay, you're going to get a, a contender series fight. But because of Neil Magny's USADA situation, Krantz got the call. And he f- came in and fought like he was a, like, like Luque was a minus 1100 favorite. Woo. Cracked Luque, shook off a guillotine, but Luque blasted him with a knee. That's a wrap, man. Vicente Luque did exactly what he was supposed to do. And Luque, as Boza pointed out, thanked him for taking the fight. Felicia Spencer defeated Megan Anderson. Spencer took the back pretty early, ended up getting the submission win on Anderson. Uh, UFC's women's featherweight is, is all right. You've got Zingano that fights there sometimes. You have Holly Holm that fights there sometimes. Megan Anderson, Felicia Spencer. Uh, Caitlin Vieira could fight there. I mean, if you want to throw in Betch Kohei at a job to somebody, sure, she weighed she weighed in closer to featherweight than bantamweight her her last go around. So why not? Anderson's now one and two in the UFC. I'm not implying that Anderson should give up MMA, but I think she would excel in pro wrestling. But I mean, hey, you might as well ride the the MMA train while it's there. And she's 29 years old, but. She is a specimen that pro wrestling would love. Really long, lean, has a good look, can talk, uh, knows how to shoot, six feet tall. Felicia Spencer, that's one to look out for. I mean, here's the thing. If Megan Anderson won, you could say, all right, maybe, maybe do that fight for the title. Can you do Felicia Spencer for the featherweight title right now? No. And I don't want to see Chris Cyborg get a rematch. I don't. I wouldn't mind seeing Felicia Spencer fight Chris Cyborg. Run that one. Why not? As for Megan Anderson, I would go with the Zingano fight again. 
that makes a lot of sense with Zingano coming off that controversial loss to Anderson and Anderson coming off of a loss. It'd be good to see which one uh, wins. Cause I mean, there wasn't any real controversy. Uh, there shouldn't have been Anderson won with the legal tactics. So Ian Heinish defeated number 12 shoe face Antonio Carlos jr. <sighs> now, uh, Boza says that uh, Cyborg called out Spencer for UFC 240. When's UFC 240? Probably in like three and a half weeks or something. July 27, two and a half months. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> that is like Cyborg to call somebody out <laughs> like eight or nine weeks from now. Don't know how they feel or anything. So I didn't believe I couldn't believe that the line was so close on Shoeface and Heinish, but I found out why it was. Uh, I admired Heinish from trying to Granby roll out of that waist lock. That's a great wrestling technique. Shoeface dominated that first round, but the ref missed an accidental headbutt in round two, uh, and Shoeface took Heinish down anyway. Heinish ended up on top and scored a great elbow that did damage. Round three, Ian got caught in a ball sack with a knee, but uh, dropped Shoeface, and then Junior just had. A lazy set of takedown attempts that cost him this fight. Just void of any real effort were those takedowns. And Heinish would grind it out. And he he was a contender series product just 10 months ago. Now he's ended Antonio Carlos Jr.'s 5-5 winning streak. Damn. Now if you're Heinish... You might be. You might get another. I don't see why you would step back at this point. How do you step back? Antonio Carlos Jr. is ranked number twelve. I think you got to face uh, Uriah Hall, Elias Theodore, David Branch, Brad Tavares. One of those. See, those aren't really really attractive names, so to speak. I don't know if Jared Cannonier would want to face somebody who's not in the top fifteen, but I could. I could easily see. Uh, Heinish replacing David Branch on that top 15. I could see that happening, but Uriah Hall would be a good one. Uriah Hall's won two out of three, and he's always a guy that they want to put him in there and either win a fight or or make somebody look good. So I think that Uriah Hall would be a reasonable next opponent. I have no idea if Hall is booked. I'm going to take a look right now, but... I can't underscore how big of a win that is for for Heinish, man, uh, to, to stop the five-fight winning streak of, of Shoeface. I I thought that Shoeface was worth the buzz, to be honest with you. I really did. I also thought Kevin Lee was worth the buzz, and I thought the move to welterweight was going to, to fix a lot of things. It didn't. Kevin Lee has regressed as a fighter. He peaked in 2017. I don't know. I mean, he he lost his coach. That's tragic. He had that performance against Tony Ferguson where I fully believe that if Lee didn't go in there with a staph infection, we'd be looking at a way different fight. Don't know if he'd win, but we'd be looking at a different fight. His issues extend far beyond welterweight. A 165-pound division would not fix Kevin Lee's issues. You know why? Rafael Dos Anjos was a normal-sized lightweight. Kevin Lee was facing someone really close to his size in Rafael Dos Anjos, and it wasn't enough. Lee cracked RDA, took him down. RDA clipped Lee with a head kick. It wasn't enough. 
Uh, I liked it when RDA grabbed a front face lock. Lee snapped it away. But Lee would put himself in position to to get in trouble an awful lot. He slammed RDA, got put in a guillotine, but went back to his feet. And in round two, it was seven minutes in, and Lee looked tired, man. It, I think he peaked at 24, 25 years old, and it's kind of amazing. He showed some great glimpses of offense, but it came, became very, very clear to me that Kevin Lee's issues had a lot more behind them than a weight division. RDA tapped him out in the fourth round. That's a champion. Rafael Dos Anjos ended his two-fight losing streak. He fought Usman and Colby Covington. He beat Kevin Lee. And that's that's a big win for Dos Anjos, too, because Dos Anjos didn't win at all last year. He needed a win. Kevin Lee needed a win. And now Kevin Lee has lost three out of four fights. He beat Edson Barboza, but he missed weight in that fight. I, If I'm the UFC, uh, Rafael Dos Anjos against Lawler too, if he can do it. He just went four rounds with, with Kevin Lee. So who knows how he's feeling right now. But the bigger question to me is what do you do with Kevin Lee? This young guy, he's still 26, 27 years old, I think. GSP, I thought appropriately at the time, had him billed as a future superstar of the UFC. And the thing is, I I could have seen that. I can't see that right now. Kevin Lee against Vicente Luque, I think, would be a good one. Neil Magny's probably about to be bounced from the rankings because of his USADA thing. You don't want to do Kevin Lee and Damian Maya. That's a boring fight to make. You don't want to do Stephen Thompson. That's a boring fight to make. But I don't think you give Kevin Lee somebody in the top 10 right now. Vicente Luque seems like a good one. Zaleski Dos Santos seems like a good one. As for Rafael Dos Anjos, he's still ranked number three. Uh, Masvidal would be a good fight. Vicente Luque asked to be booked in the main event for Uruguay. I can't see Kevin Lee getting a main event again. Can't see it. Guys, reminder, no Fightful MMA podcast this Tuesday, but we will be doing updates. Make sure you guys tune into FightfulMMA.com. Leave a thumbs up on this video. I can't tell you guys how important that is. It helps people find us. Uh, Leave us a nice review over on iTunes, Stitcher, any of that stuff. Uh, It helps people find us that way as well. We're going to have a lot more stuff on uh, FightfulMMA.com, a lot more in-depth stuff. We have an interview with Jack Hermanson from Harry Kettle, who has joined us. I believe he has Ricardo Lamas set up as well. So make sure you guys tune in to that. Leave us a thumbs up. Until next time, guys, we are out.